we're back for another Home Roots podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Haldane, here in Winnipeg. It's first spring in Manitoba, and I say that because in our part of the world, we don't just get four seasons. Uh, summer and fall are pretty great, but both shorter than they should be. After autumn, we have, oh, let's count them here, early winter, first midwinter, second midwinter, third midwinter, first spring, second spring, and occasionally third spring. Sometimes third midwinter and first spring will overlap. Uh, you see, our long winters evoke strong emotions. We're challenged to accept that spring comes earlier to everyone else in the hemisphere than us. We understand the fundamental concept that spring starts on the equinox, uh, and thankful as we are for the sunlight, spring is still likely months away for us. Winter can linger on for weeks, but every little warm weather reprieve, those three days of two degrees C in February, or 12 hours of rain in March, or the one day of plus 17 in April, these impart on people the most demoralizing form of false hope. Honestly, nothing is more cathartic for a Winnipegger than acknowledging the end of winter. Achieving a sense of resiliency and accomplishment for enduring, the cold weather is behind you and not too far in front of you, or the long, carefree days of June, July, and August. But that kind of excitement in anticipation of spring is premature in mid-March, and if you take that ride, it's a short drop to disenchantment. The best approach I've found for myself is to have extreme gratitude for the warm days in March and April, but don't count your barbecued chickens before they're cooked. Well, it was hot on the heels of an unseasonable early March in Manitoba that I was fortunate enough to catch up with our guest today. She's a wonderful soul, and conversation with her I found quite effortless. Kara Luft is my guest today, a real-life modern folk troubadour. Her historic near-constant touring habits with outfits like the Whalen Jennies and Small Glories have kept her from having to endure a full Winnipeg winter for decades, but she did it this year, and with COVID restrictions to boot. So needless to say, she's in a different place than she's used to being. And we talked a bit about the past few months, but mostly we speculated about possible futures and for our, our own careers, our folk music community at large. History will reveal whether the hope and excitement of our conversation is warranted uh, or whether we're just packing away our long johns before third midwinter. Home Roots listeners, may I present a COVID convo with Kara Luft. Darkness, why do you surround me after giving you everything? I've asked the light to come and find me. Tell the devil it's time to leave.
I was so flued out that even when I looked at my phone and it said Grant Simpson, I'm like, oh, I wonder what Grant's calling about. <laughs> it wasn't until I like got on the phone with you. I'm like, what's, what's going on? I'm not in the right place. Anyway. <laughs> we are all, I'm so relieved. We've all done it. <laughs> oh, man. How are you? I'm, I am so, so. I go through like emotional roller coaster stuff a lot and i would say like the last seven months it's weird i would the first part of the pandemic maybe because i was living with a family i i felt i was telling somebody this the other day i i didn't feel the emotional disconnection because i was seeing people even though i wasn't seeing my my community but i had that regular there was that routine of like you have a meal you say good morning you have coffee together you eat a meal you know like there was this there was just this, this root, their routine, unfortunately, not my routine, but I could adjust to it. It's just what was hard was I couldn't quite figure out a schedule for myself in their space. So that's where I was having a difficult time. And then in the fall, I moved into my own place and I found that really hard to suddenly be alone, like completely alone. And then the hammer came down in November and suddenly you're really alone and it's cold and trying to figure out routine and schedule and yeah, it's just been, it's, it's been interesting. It's been, and yeah. And some days I just, I cry at the oddest thing. Like I'll listen to CBC and they won't even be talking about anything like emotional. And I'll be like, Oh my God, sorry. And I'll be in the car. Like today I was driving to rehearsal with JD and I was catching the tail end of Q. Not really a fan of Q to be honest, but they were interviewing, um, Oh, one of the actors from Kim's Convenience. I didn't know it had been canceled. And they were talking about it being canceled. And I started crying in the car. And I'm like, it's a TV show, Kara. But it's such a quintessentially Canadian TV. You know, like it was just all of these emotions. And so I show up in rehearsal. I got all these tears in my eyes. And JD's wondering like who died. And <laughs> It's just well, I'm, inter I'm, it's interesting. I'm the same way. I'm triggered easily you know right these last several months it's just i'm all i'm raw all the time you know would you and say you're that, more you're more raw now than you were like in the early days of the pandemic or is it just is it weather related or winter related too 
I think that's probably part of the cycle because I feel like I'm on yeah. on the upside. So it was worse a couple months ago. Um, but it's just been odd and challenging and I'm not alone. I can't even imagine actually being alone. Like I have mm. a family around, you know, there's like, there's actually some socialization. I, I, I've yeah. thought about that. Yeah. I've thought about folk. For sure. Jackson, how old are you? I feel like we're around the same age. I'm 40. How old am I? I'm almost 47. Uh, yeah, I'm 45. So yeah, we're real close. 45, yeah. yeah. I, for me, it's definitely, there's definitely hormonal stuff going on. So I'm like, okay, hormonal pandemic job shifting reevaluating re how i perceive my job yeah. isolation it, it's like when it's compounded like that it's it's inevitable that we're gonna it's huge and age yeah like regardless of menopause it's an age thing to rate or it's it. whatever it is For that sure. i'm going through and that's actually been a really interesting thing talking to my female friends about this because i have friends of all in every decade right like 20s 30s 40s 50s so i'm really connecting with the women in their 40s 50s and 60s so those who are like me who are just starting to experience some of these symptoms and it's so been really interesting to have these open honest frank conversations because women do talk more than men i would say generally speaking about these Absolutely. kinds of things but I don't know if I've ever really delved that deeply with a lot of a lot of women, and so it's been interesting to be like, "So, how many hot flashes have you had?" Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just great. It's it's so great to like hear other people other people's experiences and. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> I sure. feel insane, but I'm not. Damn it. <laughs> well, I guess I'll make this official then. Welcome to the Home Roots Podcast. Thank you, Jackson Haldane. So good. So good to be here with you. <laughs> and great I to see your could... face on a screen. Yeah, but... exactly. I was going to say, I wish we could actually be together. Maybe yeah. we should clarify. No, never know when people are listening to this. This is We are in the throes of a global pandemic. And uh, and Kara is here with us virtually because that's how things go that's nowadays. That's how we roll. That's how we're rolling. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, isn't it funny when you like watch like shows that were filmed a couple of years ago and I people are just getting they're in rooms full of people and they're close to people and it's just like oh people what are, keep, what are they doing they're, they're shaking they're their speaking. hand what are they <laughs> doing? and they're doing that double kiss on the cheeks and like i'm gonna i'm wondering what's gonna happen when i when I, when and if i start going back to europe to tour particularly england where everybody gives you a kiss and i'm like what do you do i'm not i'm sorry i just you, don't kiss me <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? And full well, planes, good. people on planes, people doing stuff that you're like, what, 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 why are you guys? Yeah, interesting. That's the interesting thing to think about. Hey, the lives we used to lead where we lead, we were super spreaders out there on the road, right? You know, yeah. you're in a different town every night with, uh, you know, potentially hundreds of other people and uh and then you just move down the road and spread those and spread contacts always, down the line. I right? know. And, and I was always kind of surprised at how I haven't been getting as sick as I thought I would be getting sick. You know, like that that continual cold or the flu or something because of the amount of traveling that musicians do. And, and like you were saying, just picking stuff up and going. And then you're like friggin' airports and airplanes and oh. car rentals and <laughs> hotels and and then you're meeting people at the gigs and i'm a huggy touchy feely person and of course if somebody is crying and wants a hug i'm gonna give them a hug you know <laughs> or shake their hand jd and i would always it's so interesting at the end of shows we would try to like get out 
to the merch table or by the door if people weren't going to buy merch. We would shake everybody's hand when they went out or we would give them a hug. So like, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> it's it's going to be such a weird adjustment and they'll probably be making their own adjustments. Their, you know? yeah. Who knows? It's going to have cultural significance, right? Yeah. It's going to have cultural yeah. impact. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. And we're never going to go back to quite what we probably used to know, but no. And part of me, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, um, um, how I want to do this job to do the musician lifestyle not lifestyle, but the, the, I always think of it as more of a calling and a vocation than a job. Like it's definitely uh, most people who are, are, who are our age and still doing this. <laughs> we're not doing it because <laughs> of the pay, the payday or something, right? Like that's, yes, it's an, it, that's an important part, but um, there's something much deeper I feel and I've been thinking about the impact, the environmental impact of touring, the physical impact of touring. Um, and and this year being doing these, you know, either Zoom concerts or these pre-recorded or lives, whatever form of digital performance, always not in front of an audience, which is so surreal. Um, and wondering, is there what... It, missing the live audience but not necessarily missing the the stress and the strain on the world on the earth and on my body when I'm going out there so how how to do it in a in a way that is healthier all around and knowing that probably the live stream element is not going to it's definitely not going to go away now right but yep but there's also something to Jackson that I I've, I've been wanting to talk to other musicians about this uh, that whole the whole thing with the live performance, I always felt it was this moment in time that the musician and the and the, the audience, we share this moment in time together that will never be replicated ever exactly the same. And that's part of its, the mystery of it, right? The beauty of it, the whatever word you want to use, there's something sacred in that. Yeah. And now if they're going to stream every concert that you do. Let's say we go to a town and, you know, they've filled the room, but they're also going to stream it. I have this weird mixed feeling about, well, but I want to have this moment in time with this audience that will never be replicated. But if you stream it and it stays up on YouTube for friggin' however long, I don't know. I still want people to to enjoy that and engage that. And yes, you can you can you can reach people who are either physically unable to come to the concert or whatever. There's myriad reasons why you want people to be able to tune in um, online. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious what other people are saying about that, right? Like, well, you know, there's another underappreciated or, you know, unappreciable perhaps aspect of things, which is there's vibrations happening when we're creating sound in a live environment, right? There are vibrations yeah. we literally can't, convey in yes. this medium right thank you for everything's getting digitized right so there's is there's a top yeah. and a bottom to the yes. vibration that we can present in this medium yeah and so live that's not then we're not inhibited by that even the electronics in a sound system can still produce that yeah. vast range of frequencies yeah. much more than we can get here 
And then there's ones that just come off the drums or that just come out of the guitar amp that you feel in the room and you don't even perceive it, you, but it's yeah. part of the experience. And that's yeah. what's drawn people to live music all these years. It's not just the visual component. We've had that solved for a long time. This changing this distribution system to going online as opposed to conventional broadcasting is a shift, but it doesn't change. People could, you know, the Grand Ole Opry going on TV didn't kill people going to see that's country. right you're totally right, right? yeah and so that yeah live music's here to stay and i think what's going to happen i think what i see sort of as a you know as a consequence of this is that things have to become a little more regional our experiences mm. our cultural mm. experiences have to go back to being a little bit more regional because mm. we can't just up and hop on a plane and get ourselves to five different places across the globe right now without having to probably take six months worth of quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. let's yeah. say you did want to do a tour, then maybe you plunk yourself down in Alberta and you do a short quarantine because testing methods get better and blah, 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 blah. You do a short quarantine, then you do a regional route and you get to places that are remote and you get to places and there's, there's a renewed maybe vigor for this experience. Yeah. It's been yeah. so long yeah. that maybe it's kind of interesting because you think to the home roots model and it's almost like that could be a really successful model moving forward in the short term because ha being able to be regional rural and taking some of the distance out of the places like the prairies and the and you know mm. northern ontario it could be really cool to see people tackle touring that way and literally taking it back to the people we've seen just through doing house concerts the last decade right that there's a, a growing acceptance of that but maybe in the now an additional hunger could really drive more people to to support some live music opportunities in small centers all across canada all, all across, across. Canada, right and then you yeah. choose your region where you want to go yes Plunk down and you do your short quarantine and you 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 get you squeeze every little drop out of it and then you go home, you know, and that's a much different approach than trying to, you know, sw swoop in and grab as big a handful of the pie as you can, as you scoop through someplace like Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver. And now you're going to Kamloops and you're going to, you know, yeah, Peterborough and, or yeah, I don't know, campus casing, you know, I don't know. Like it's, it, yeah, it you, yeah, you there's find all sorts it. of places. Right. And there's people in all those places and everybody loves music. And we might actually see people reconnect with live music because of what's going on right now, yeah. because I think there's a hunger for something more traditional. I had this tour idea. This was, I want to say eight, nine years ago before I started the small glories, um, because I was kind of reevaluating how I wanted, how I wanted to tour. And, um, and realize I started looking back at some of my favorite tours were when I, I wasn't trying to chase the carrot and I was going in and I was kind of in charge of my own schedule. So I would go and I'd book a show. And like, I remember one time I did like into this Northern BC run and they weren't necessarily, they weren't house concerts. They were with presenters, but sometimes they were friends who would, you know, put on a show in a local theater or this school auditorium or whatever, going into it, rolling into a town on, let's say the Tuesday with my bike, you know, maybe it's spring, I'd tootle around, I'd meet people, I'd go to the coffee shop, I'd go to the bakery. And then the next day, I would do something at the school. And then that evening, I would do the concert. And then the following day, 
I'd tootle on to the next town, maybe only two, 300 kilometers away so that I was, I wasn't burning myself out driving. I was staying in the same bed two, three nights in a row. I actually got to meet some of the people in the community. So I was trying to evaluate like, how could, how could we go back to something like that? Remember like, what is it in the seventies and eighties, people would get the gig. They'd get the house gig at the six nights. Yeah. Six nights. So imagine if you could do something like that. Yeah. Like a lot of musicians uh, used to do that. And that was, that was awesome. And you're in that town, you're in the same bed, you're, you, you get the, you get into a routine, you're familiar with the people. So I was, was trying to figure out how to do that. And then the small glory started and we kind of went more the traditional route, which is whatever, that's fine. But now we're talking in our rehearsals and band meetings about, okay, one of the, you know, there were a couple tours where we were, we were we did 11 nights in a row and we did both coasts so we started in the northeast we would play we would get up in the morning at five drive to a radio station do the morning show sometimes get somewhere else in the afternoon do a video thing go to another place play the evening concert so two sometimes three things in a day there was one night we played a gig in new hampshire went to bed for two hours drove to boston caught a plane and bought a direct flight to Portland, Oregon. Somebody picked us up in Portland, drove us three hours down the I-5 so that we could get on stage and play a show. That's after playing seven nights in the Northeast and then playing a show. Like we were dead. And then we went to the motel. We slept for a few hours, got up at five, drove back to Portland because we had to catch a flight to LA. And we went to LA and we went and played like... Some people would look and be like, well, you guys are making it. I'm like, no, we're just burning ourselves out. And the money really, like it was part of, you know, you got to, guys got to build your brand and people got to, and I get it. I totally, like, I understand that. I don't necessarily believe in it, but I understand it. And we chose to do that. Nobody forced us to do that. They wanted us to do it. And we, we talked it through and we're like, okay, okay. And there were benefits. There were definite, you know, there were definite benefits. But then there, that's the kind of touring we were doing. Or we would play like Denver one day, wake up, fly to Boise, Idaho, wake up the next morning, fly to Seattle, wake up, go fly to Sacramento. Because they're all one day after another. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this to my body. I can't do this. So we're, we're talking about how do we, how do we get back to what you were saying? Like, could we could we do these multiple nights in one place? So we're actually, this summer, we're going to do it. We're hoping to do this test run. I have this tiny house on wheels, which is out in BC. And we always talked about, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do the Small Glory Small House pop-up concert tour where the house comes to you? And we would do all these outdoor shows in in like people's yards or farmer's fields or something, but outside city center. So we don't have to deal with all the city crap. And we kind of build this travel. It's essentially a traveling festival of just us. And we would come with our awesome sound person and PA system and the house and the stage. But we set up for multiple days and we do multiple shows a day. And people would buy, you know, 50 people or 100 people, whatever the max is. People come. It's an it's a spectacle. You get to visit the tiny house. It's called, oh, it's running on solar power. Oh, you guys are towing it with that vehicle. Oh, you guys are using a solar power generator. Oh, my God. You know kind of try to do this thing so that we can talk a little bit more about an ecological footprint. I mean, hauling a fucking tiny house is not necessarily a positive ecological footprint, but the idea is that maybe people will be interested in the tiny house movement, right? Yeah. 
and it's then yeah. the awareness thing, right? And but could we do shows on our terms without involving? I, our agents are actually supportive of the idea, but they don't need to be involved. We don't need to involve. We don't need to partner with all the big festivals. They already are dealing with their own crap. We can phone them and be email them ahead of time. Be like, hey, let your let your fan base know, or let the whatever festival email if you guys are up for this we'll tell people hey thanks to the calgary folk fest or thanks to the blah 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 festival and let people know about this this thing but it's that that idea of parking ourselves being somewhere for multiple days at a time so that we're just like okay i love it i love it i kind of like that idea and i like the idea of being able to do like we were dabbling with leading some songwriting workshops and also harmony singing workshops and opportunities for the community to come be involved with us, not just us singing for them. Um, and it's really hard to do when you're traveling so much and you're getting to the next gig and not burning yourself out. So I feel like it's this conversation that musicians are having amongst ourselves where we're looking at all these things we're talking about and bringing bringing our being being in charge of our career decisions again in a sense right because so many of us have done the label game and the agent game and and yes when you have great team players i really do really like our agents and i really do actually like our label i feel like we have a positive relationship with them but i often feel like i'm i'm still going by with the label in particular i'm going by what they deem as important and what what they feel is worth our time where i'm like you know actually no <laughs> i don't know that's i'm no, kind of model, rambling a little bit but the no i don't think so the model that they operate within is definitely there's a big question mark about whether that's a sustainable model moving yeah. forward you know maybe that's where what you're talking about all that organization that would go into keeping yourself you know engaged in the community through the schools and through the cafe gigs and the big concert that's a lot of organization right and so how yeah. can you have how can you have energy to give to the art which is what people want to come and absorb and exchange with how can you give to that if you've got nothing because you've been spent all day administering to the to the gigs right yeah so maybe that's where the agent's role gets redefined and and it's it not so much about them opening doors into the game it's more about them actually just you know taking care of a vast organizational workload right right because yeah i mean i don't know that's i feel like sometimes that's how the new the current model was working you know when there was something that was going on there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was more like you know get a good agent so that they can open the door to the good gigs right and that's now it's now it's gonna i think it might be different at least in the short term it's totally gonna be different there's either no gigs or there's small gigs <laughs> i know and so part of me is like okay well let's decide what we want to do and I, it was funny i had this i had this conversation with our u.s agents who i feel like the americans think differently about a lot of stuff not i, I think that i know that um and the pandemic has really amplified some of these differences um the fact that there's an international border doesn't seem to necessarily phase them so much like the fact that it's going to take us a while to get our work permits and all the gigs are still canceled so we don't really want to get our work permits until the border is actually open but they've been scrambling and you know part of me feels terrible for them because 
they've had to rebook and rebook and reschedule. And but part of me is like, why don't you just like take a giant deep breath like the rest of us and just wait? And I understand why they couldn't wait. Like I get it. Like they got to kind of keep keep the wheels going and the interest going. But there was like a couple of weeks of anxiety phone calls with that I was having with them because they wanted decisions and answers right away. But they were presenting tours to to me, you know, eight, nine, 10 months down the road and sometimes 16 months down the road where some of the presenters were still holding off making a decision due to COVID. And I was like, well, we, you need to respect the presenter. You can't, we can't, you can't force us to make a decision about something if even... Like there is not even going to be a gig if the presenter A doesn't exist anymore or the venue doesn't exist anymore. So it was this kind of this reality, these reality shifts of like jumping right back into the old model is not. Some people have to hold on tight, right? Because I think there's a lot of folks we know in the industry, on the industry side of things that need the industry to go back to just the way it was before for them to remain totally relevant. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm not talking people who aren't worth their salt. I'm talking talented and dedicated yeah. people. Yeah, exactly. But it's just the shifting sands underneath them are not going to support anything. So yeah, uh, yeah it's it got to be scary. And I'd, I'd probably be in their shoes scrambling to try and yes. remain rele- relevant at exactly. least. Exactly. And so that's surface. where I felt like this, this tension within me to be like, I understand this. I completely understand it. But I'm kind of, you're dry, kind of driving me insane at the same time because we can't, <laughs> like, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. And even like today at rehearsal, JD's like, if we were, t- we were talking about missing singing in front of people, right? Like, yeah, we did a bit of that in the summer, but, you know, people were doing solo things. We did some duo things and, and you have these distance concerts and they felt so life-giving and really beautiful. But you know, Katie's like, I don't know, do I actually want to, do I actually want to go out on tour anymore? And we kind of laughed about it because I was like, well, you know, I, I bet you once we get out there, we'll be like, oh, we've missed this. But can we, you know, can we actually like tailor it a little bit better and be like, yeah, we actually, we're only going to tour once, once a month, you know, one week a month kind of idea. And, and this whole conversation about how to tour thinking about your environmental footprint and what you were saying too, Jackson, like being doing those regional tours, like you drive, you don't fly, you're going to drive to that region, maybe in a, a hybrid van and you, you, you set up shop and you do satellite, maybe you stay in the same place for multiple nights and you kind of do these satellite shows out of that one, that one location or something. I don't know. I'm just, this is or, stuff that yeah. I'm, yeah. I like your idea too, plunking down in one place and playing a bunch of small shows, you know, because at least yeah. small shows will be able to figure out how to make them work. Yes, that's... I'm not worried about that. Small yeah. shows. I'm not worried about that no one's ever going to get back on a stage. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm just, I just don't know about the big theaters and the big festivals, even the outdoor ones. Whereas, you know, we know with the tent situation, there's a lot of indoor you know, spaces in a conventional outdoor festival too. So it's like, it complicates a lot of things. And I just think they're going to have to cap certain things by number. And, you know, if you were bringing 30,000 people over a weekend before, I don't know. I don't know when that comes back online, you know? I don't know when the Walker Theater opens again. I know. I love that you said the Walker because that's what I always want to say too. (laughs) It's the Walker. (laughs) Well, this is a nice departure in terms of a conversation. I think I felt like our conversations with guests were getting formulaic and I was just digging into certain themes, which is okay too, you know, being thematic, but 
this has been a really nice and organic conversation. It hasn't all been about the past. It hasn't been you re retelling the story of the last nine months or whatever. It's, it's actually lots more projecting into the future, which I think is really healthy for us. And maybe hmm. that's a sign that we're like, you know, we're on the cusp of being able to re-engage on that level. Hmm. And, and, I, and I have to say, I've already made this declaration publicly, but I'm not going to be like rushing on stages right away either because I'm not needing that as much mm. as so many other people yeah. and there's only some going to be so much oxygen and i don't need to take up stuff that yeah, i don't I get need. that so i'm going to be I like i'm going to be waiting till till there's you know till there's a gig culture again not just these like you know just dabbling of uh, of opportunity so yeah i'm i'm prepared to wait a while to seriously engage in a tour for sure you know yeah. not, i i I mean, I'll, I think the D Rangers will play at times change before too long. Once yeah. It'll, yeah, 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 but, which is great. You know, it's just a, it'll be a celebration we'll all need, you know, in, in mm -hmm. some ways just to reconnect. And, and that's, I think that was the point that I had lost was, was about connection and the, hmm. the needing to go into these communities, needing to not be on someone else's conveyor, you know, in terms of moving down the road, getting on the plane and being in that other town yeah. half a country away the next day getting away from that and settling into a place long enough to make that connection i just think that's that's going to be not only meaningful for the artists but we're all going to be craving so much yeah. connection when we're allowed to come out of this in a significant way and uh and i think that yeah that's our place if there's people listening who are artists who are looking for an opportunity you know uh to to plan for the future in any sort of way maybe think that way think small yeah think connection think not hopping through town and hitting the bar for a for a one night party before you fly back out of town make that one of the nights you know and and you build yeah. to something but i love that idea like hit the bakery for a real like a real low-key set and then the school and then by the time you get to the concert on the second or third night yeah you've built a small community yeah. that wants to come out and see and they're not just there because someone else compelled them because they were part of the organizational crew right you know, that can be a big part of that experience when you go to smaller centers and you don't have a name to travel ahead of you you know what i mean or this big publicity machine for people to access it's like you gotta sort of either rely on like the home roots models work which has worked for a lot of people which is these strong community, uh, these hosts that are hubs of their community. Yeah. And they have this, this experience that they build around themselves and you just come and support it with some art. You know what I mean? That, but that's essentially how so many of these house concerts have worked for me historically. And I've done probably between solo things and Gordy, Gordy things. I've probably done 500 of them, you know? And so I know what that experience is like. And yeah, I think that's the place that we can we can kind of we can kind of go to is that ma making that deeper connection i feel like that's part of the i don't know gift is i don't know if that's the right word but the the mindset of, uh, of being in the folk the, the folk scene is that we are really community is a real big part of what we do um, we support each other in our community you know you go to folk alliance and yeah there's a there's a there's a 
big business element to it, but it really is a lot of like hanging out and seeing people who you love. It's a totally different vibe than North by Northeast or South by South, South by Southwest is a gong show. It's insane. <laughs> I've been three times and the last time JD and I went, it was his first time. It was 2019. And he was just like, like, I know this is podcast. People can't see how big my eyes are, but it was a very <laughs> surreal. It was the antithesis to folk alliance or the antithesis to any kind of folk gathering. And I understand its place. Again, I get it. I understand its place, but I feel with the, with, with the folky heart or the folky mindset or whatever, we can kind of shift and adjust. And it's not necessarily about, it's not keeping up your popularity because because it goes deeper than just you as the performer it goes it goes into why you do this and it's about fostering community i i think it's music is fosters community and togetherness and 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 so you can do that you can do that in a big city center you can do that in a small town right and I don't know. I think it's, I've also been thinking about, um, as I've gotten older, this has really been a big, big part of how I've, I've kind of kept my career afloat and, and a real big, my focus with the small glories is like, we're going to do our thing really well. And we're going to put our blinders on and we're going to clue in to what, what JD and I do together. And we're not going to get distracted by looking at what everybody else is doing. It's like, no, we're going to connect here. And we're going to, we're just going to go out there and do it. And I guarantee, I would say to him always, I guarantee people are going to dig it because I'm sold on it. (laughs) I think it's powerful and really beautiful. And just don't keep looking at what everybody else is doing, but to also be really careful about where we give it away like we're we weren't a we weren't I was like we're not going to be a band that plays every night or we're not going to take every gig that's offered to us we're going to be really we're going to be a little bit picky about where we play and that doesn't mean that it only is a big gig that that's the thing there were three things that we would always look at and I said these are the three things that we have to we have to decide and we have to have at least two of the three in order to say yes to the gig so is it going to be a lot of fun like is it a festival or like, is it Folk Alliance? Well, Folk Alliance costs a ton of money, but we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> Probably going to have a lot of fun. The second one is, can, are we going to make, are we going to actually make money at it? And then the third one was, is it going to actually help build our presence or our brand or do something to kind of help pr- move that move the group forward so there are quite a few times where money is not the thing that we've chosen we've chosen the other the other two things right and you're moving your brand moving it forward doesn't necessarily mean that it has to move it in a a way that the label thinks that it needs to get moved maybe it's a way like uh, i teach a lot at these uh these music camps for adults primarily or or youth and and adults people who were told when they were kids you not you're not musical and then they come to the guitar camp or the music camp and they're like oh my god I, I'm falling in love and I realized that I had this the same joy of connecting and doing this when I was helping fo- helping other people tap into their own creativity it had nothing to do with me getting up on stage and doing a show because that wasn't really part of what those music camps were about it was about me being part of this experience and helping other people move from A to B and getting them there and helping them be like, oh my God, I played and sang at the same time. I've never been able to do that. <laughs> and to me, that's moving my brand forward. Like that's, that is, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the fun and I'm doing it for like this exposure. It's like, oh, we want to hire Kara because she's great in this environment. And it's really not about me as a, as an artist. 
like as a performing a famous whatever they think I'm famous but in the folky world it's not about that and that's where I I feel I feel that art of folk musicians in particular we can kind of get back to that we can really adjust how we how we want to do our our careers and find fulfillment and joy and financial and some financial security through how we make those decisions and who we're going to play our music for um where we're going to do it how we're going to do it again rambling sorry jackson i get no off no little, i love little, it little, it's little, totally little. totally jives with my vision too because i think that's and that's the funny thing you point that out and i'm like i'm so in my little bubble that I, I'm only ever speaking from the folk music perspective. I don't mm. think any of what I'm talking about would work for rock bands. <laughs> a disclaimer, present the disclaimer. But I mean, I can't imagine that would work for a lot of a lot of bands. But I'm I'm so deeply entrenched in the folk world that yeah, I and I see so much potential for the folks who run in our circle to maybe be the some of the first out of the gate doing something that they're yeah. finding really rewarding after things open up again we're poised for that i guess that's yeah. and that's a really yeah. awesome advantage you know and i love the idea of going off grid i mean that's well yeah that's, that's my passion too, yeah you know? we're gonna have to have a separate conversation about that i'm gonna have to pick your brain a 100%. little bit but uh, yeah get me involved on the tech side of that plan because i can i can help for sure and yeah. i think that we should all be looking into that you know yeah. small little solution those bose systems don't draw a lot of energy those those little tower things yeah and you don't need to have a monitor system with that if it's a real if it's a simple setup you know you and jd are like so ideal for that the perfect you for know the yeah power we power in two people right it's, <laughs> it's a demonstration of power in a, in a duo and uh you make it though you don't need it from the electrical outlet so yeah um it's but i mean i you know some sound reinforcement would be key to making any of this stuff successful but it could be done on a modest scale that could could be supplied with a solar system without spending you know tens of thousands of dollars yeah. to get it done yeah it would be so cool because man the opportunity then you just need spaces you don't need infrastructure that's the that's right? exactly it you the space not the inf yeah we were even i was i've been i hired a project manager out of calgary uh, and uh, somebody I know from the music camp, there we go. It's, you know, you use those, that community and those connections. And that's what we were talking about. We're like, let's make this, this is a pretty, uh, you know, guerrilla independent production. And that's, that's the beauty and the power of it is that we, we're not, we don't have to partner with big corporations. We don't have to partner with the big festivals. We don't, because that's not our goal. Like we can keep this, we can keep this, uh, um, a word of mouth thing and I mean we will do publicity and stuff like that but we want it to be a talking point that's the thing and I and I think that that when let's say you you go and you follow this this idea of going into a community for a few days that's a huge talking point though everybody talks about that in a small town right like at the coffee shop and the restaurant and the bank and the post you know you get the word out that way and that's I've I've I love this idea of artists going back and just building their building things up the way that they want to they want to do them and and using the power of of the, whatever word of mouth. It's a real medicine <laughs> show, right? Because you're bringing That's in exactly some healing. It. You're bringing in some healing. That's exactly it. Okay. Well, hey, I think we've totally solved all of our problems. <laughs> 
Jackson, you and I should and, talk more uh, often. This has been really fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I want to diverge and, t- and ask you about something else, because one of the best things that's happened to me over the course of the pandemic in terms of creative experiences, because I haven't played any gigs and I've done a couple of live streams and I haven't had any band practices since October and I haven't played with other human beings oh, in way too long. And so one of the best things that I've done this whole time was that this project that I took part in and it was a pilot project for a greater sort of ambitious project that's uh, spearheaded by and funded by the Crescent Arts Center. And uh, they pair a younger artist or, you know, a, a working artist, because I'm not younger anymore, uh, <laughs> with, with an elder um, who, I, in my, my case, we shared a, a lot of you know, interests and, and history because he was a performer for a lot of his, uh, his life. And, uh, and so was I, and we related as mus- musicians, but he was 99 and I'm 40, I was 44 at the time. And, uh, the idea was for us to get together and hang out and chat. And then at the end of it, something, a song would result, uh, from this, these, you know, the hangout somehow, maybe collaboratively or just take inspiration from the conversations and the, and the persona that emerges and who you get to know and love. Cause it's, you know, it was, it's just that kind of thing. So I hung out with this, with Howard and, uh, and he told me all about being uh, a vaudeville performer and, and about his life in general. And we just kind of chit chatted and we looked at photos and uh, in the end, I, I wrote the song that was really heavily inspired by, by him and the stories he told me and it, it you know just went just like it was planned right and now i hear there's a whole bunch more people doing it and you've been selected to do yes as well so tell me about your stories to songs experience what where are you at in your process well i've just done three zoom calls slash interviews slash visits with my my guy his name is ken and ken is 74 he is a retired united church minister he was in the, I want to say pastoral, more the pastoral care. I, I can't remember. Like he did do sermons and stuff like that, but um, he is gay. He's been with his partner for over 40 years. They were foster parents for the LGBTQ community. Um, I think they had 10 foster children. Uh, he had originally gone into um, uh, to study to be a priest, he was gonna. He was he was brought up Catholic. He was gonna be a Catholic priest. So it's been a very interesting to get like each time we've had three the three one hour calls and conversations to kind of we've tackled different things and he just tells me these stories and we laugh and cry a little bit and and it's been very interesting and and so I'm just starting now. I've been mulling over like I'll lie in bed. This is what happens with me actually with songs is I'll just have like little things going through there and little ideas and, and finding, finding the theme for him is really key for me in, in terms of the theme for his, his journey and his life. One of the, th- one of the things that um, has been very uh, integral in his life was joining a choir in town and I'm trying to remember what the name the rainbow rainbow chorus I think and and he was he was one of these guys who was told you know don't sing when he was younger and just assumed that he he wasn't 
you know, he was a terrible singer and yet he loved to sing. And so he joined this choir and it's, I think it really transformed his life. So that was kind of this music connection that we had talking about how music really is this, this healing force and it can really transform you internally and it can transform your world externally too. Um, and just the, the, the community, um, the United Church community, the LGBTQ community, the choir community, just hearing those stories and, and then the stories of, of um, his, his relationship with his parents, you know, who are staunch Catholic and obviously much older generation and the, the, you know, coming out as gay to them. And so it's just this very interesting, I'm trying to find the thread, right? And, and how to get, get his, his story into, into song form. So it's a good, it's a good challenge, but it's also really interesting to develop a friendship of sorts with somebody who I probably would never have met. And I remember actually when, when I was asked to do it, they sent the song and the video of you with the person that you were, what was his name? I'm sorry, again, the guy that you, you wrote your song Howard. about? Howard, yeah, Howard and the, the, the great footage of you guys in your masks hanging out outside and chatting <laughs> and, and like, it's just, I don't know, it's endearing and beautiful. And um, yeah, it's, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody else has created and hearing the stories of the different uh, people who have participated on both sides, right? The artists and the interviewees. Um, yeah, so I'm, it's a good, it's a good challenge for me because I'm not a very prolific songwriter and, and uh, I, um, I like that I have been given something to kind of focus on that I haven't been writing at all during the pandemic. I shouldn't say not at all. I have little tidbits, but I, I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of over overwhelmed and then the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter and Indigenous stuff around Canada Day. I was like, other people's voices, I don't, my voice does not need to be in here right now. And I feel like I'm letting everything percolate. And when the time is right, things will come out. I, I'm tr I don't want to force it, but, but mm -hmm. I am starting, I feel like maybe partly it's spring, partly to do with a little you know, COVID, the the light a little bit at the end of the tunnel, these interviews with my buddy Ken, uh, JD and I finally getting back together to rehearse. I feel like things are starting to, you know, there is some germinating happening and I, and I, and yeah. I think that some stuff's gonna, gonna come out. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the song finishes. <laughs> well, the story about Ken. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that leaving my third interview or third hangout was probably the most stressful because I didn't feel like I had a direction at that, at that oh, moment. Interesting. Hmm. Um, and I thought at this point, I feel like I should have a direction. And, and then just really thinking in that way that like, I need a direction. I need, I need a theme. I need, I know enough about this guy at this point to, to know, know which direction at least I'm going in, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it just, just in thinking about that, it sort of came to me. It's like, I just, mm -hmm. I thought about all the conversations and it, it just stuck with me how many of the different stories happened in a different theater. I felt like in the course of our conversations, ah. we talked about so many old theaters that didn't exist anymore. And I'm just so fascinated by that stuff to begin with that I wanted to dig in. Well, where was that one? Yeah. And what, you know, what did they, what was, what was their thing? You know, and I wanted yeah. to know about these places. So in my mind, I was walking out with these like pictures in my mind of all these old theaters. And, and then it just became obvious that it's like, that has to be the spark. 
for the song is the old theaters this this you know this um nostalgia for these old theaters that's yeah. what's got to drive the song and then from there it was just the floodgates open and it I thought it was going to take me I'd have to go back to Howard and find out how to fill the holes and it just happened it just oh that's that awesome kind of, that kind of song so well we're uh we should probably uh wrap it up and let's wrap her up here. it's been awesome talking yeah you too Jackson yeah wrap, wrap it up kind well of thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this I I've I, well, I, yeah thanks Jackson, for coming I just I feel like you and I haven't we haven't always ha- chatted lots of times to chat so this is a, a nice uh, opportunity to just hang out for a bit it's really nice I agree 100 percent. yeah thank you Kara thank let's you. uh let's do it again sometime yeah we'll talk solar let's, let's do the person soon yeah <laughs> yes let's was a gazing all, all around me, the Irish landscape. All through the fall part of the life, we lay in sport and play till this young. that was fun and a little different than past conversations in that uh, we weren't dwelling on the trials and tribulations of the past few months instead we were projecting some hope into the future I hope you enjoyed listening and uh, maybe it gave you some ideas maybe there's something you can do in your community to help uh, you know create the conditions so that uh, our folk music friends and collaborators can uh, can re-engage with this form of entertainment and art when the world comes back online so uh yeah i just uh, i'm gonna leave you today with that and uh if there is anything you you want to discuss further you can always reach us at home roots we uh we want to be part of of any future that includes uh a lot a lot of music so take care everybody we'll see you back on the next episode <laughs>